Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me again, as always, is Dairy Field AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing? Good, Joe. I uh, would love to tell you that we've been been hanging out with nothing to do, but uh, you know, it's been been one tournament after another. Practices have already started for club scene. Thinking maybe maybe we'll get some rest in uh, late July, early August. You know, I, I following social media, I keep seeing everybody. I mean, I can't believe it feels like everybody took about two days off and got right back to it. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at again Twitter and I see you know Maine was wrapping up their playoffs. Mass is still wrapping. I'm like at first I was like, oh man, it'd be nice if New Hampshire was still going. But then I see there may be no kids to play. If if uh, New Hampshire was still going, if you were if you were one of the if you were one of the teams playing in the finals, you had one day off. If your kids were playing in club, didn't matter what club program you were a part of. Everybody was practicing on Tuesday, and uh, the first tournament was the following weekend. So, on some level, uh, I hope these kids are doing okay. Like we we've run them we've run them pretty hard, and uh, they're not getting a lot of rest right now. So, well, like you said, but, they've got uh, they got July and August. They to, got July to and heal August. Up. So. Uh, we will also have July and August to, to rest up. Uh, and, of course, as we mentioned uh, previous weeks, this is our last show of uh, the spring 2020. Uh, despite that, you know, if you still want to send a question or some feedback, uh, you can still do so. I'll, I'll get back to you uh, at Sports at gmail.com. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Sports. This week we are recording the, the final show here at Backyard Brewery and Kitchen in Manchester. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't really say you can listen every Thursday morning to us because this is going to be the last Thursday morning you can. Uh, but but we will, you know. Well, with on-demand we'll, now. With on-demand, that's you true. Can go back you can listen to all of them. You can. You can go See all the way. See how right or wrong we were all well, spring you, long. You can go all the way back to 2016 and listen. Or, no, 2017, I believe, we started the, the lacrosse podcast. Go back to then and listen to us. Uh, I, you know, maybe we should do that. We should see how wrong we were Ooh. on some of those. Um but you know, we'll. Um, I, I am hoping to kind of evolve a little bit with the podcast here. Maybe we'll throw in a, a show or two somewhere down the road. And of course, you know, with football season starting up in uh, less than two months, uh, believe it or not, uh, we'll be bringing back the uh, the football podcast before you know it. Uh, but before we get started uh, this week, want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsors. The presenting sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of the Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. Just like the weather, the market is hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with The Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of The Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger at rhowrealestate.com. The Ninth State Sports Show is also proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs. Uh, located in Bedford, Prolax Customs wants to make your stick as unique as the way you play the game. It is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for custom-dyed lacrosse heads, or guys, if you need a stick stringing for the summer, you need to contact Joe. To learn more, visit them online at prolaxcustoms.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, or email prolaxlacrosse at gmail.com. Joe, I've been listening to those reads all spring long. What do you think? When do you when do you think is the best time? What do you think Roger would say is the best time to buy a house? When do you, when do you think for I'm your probably, bang for your buck? Probably you know right now, springtime, summertime. I think that's the best you think time. So? Yeah, 
I always thought maybe it might be winter, right? Home buyers or home uh, people put their homes on the I market. Think that might, might be, be tough. The, the yeah, maybe the best time to buy one. Maybe not the best time to sell. I don't. I don't that's know. What I, I that's what I'm buying, not yeah, selling. Okay. I agree with you. I okay. think right now would be the best time, right? You, you can showcase your home. You cut the lawn. You cut the lawn nicely there. Are you Are you maybe telling, trying to tell Roger that he should sponsor the football show as well I, as I the? Think he uh, could, right. I think I think that's I think that'd be a great time to get it to get Roger <laughs> on board does there. Mean, does it mean I have to give you a commission on that or are you? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but definitely yeah, want to thank, thank Joe and Roger yes, for, for their support um, this spring. Um, it's been great having having them as uh, show sponsors, and and, and I, I, you know, both of them. I think you've, uh, you know, I, I think they've been really happy with uh, the business that they they've got. I here. think so, and I think they both love being a part of it too, uh, which I, I greatly appreciate that they're they enjoy this as much True as we enjoy doing it. Yes, yeah, yeah both yeah. of them, yeah. Obviously, you know, Roger Roger on the broadcast with FNL, you know, in, in his. Uh, his enthusiasm for the sport and Joe just loves, I mean, God, every week I see his social media posts. I, I don't know how, I don't know what else he, what else he has time to do. He's constantly stringing <laughs> sticks, constantly dying sticks, uh, produced a couple nice ones for the, the Sua Sponsa camp, uh, taking place up at, um, up this weekend in Holderness up there. And, um, you know, so he's, he's a busy guy. I saw he was down on what Long Island last week. Had his uh, kids. Yep. Yep. Like and we said, it, it, it he's the, all the club over. season and yeah. the club season's Every, in full yeah, right everyone's now. all over. Yep. Uh, well, before we uh, we let everyone go to off to their their club seasons fully, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, first, just kind of wrap up some final thoughts on the 2022 season, and then get into uh, some things, changes, and some uh, thoughts about the 2023 season. You know, I was I we you and I talked about this beforehand. Uh, I I there were definitely points of the year. Where I was like, oh, man, I, we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about that. And, you know, because I'm so smart with these things, I didn't write any of it down. And here we are trying to, what did we forget to talk about? Well, I can't remember. I, you know, it's, I, I can barely remember last week. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm going to remember what we didn't talk about in April. Uh, but hopefully as we get rolling here, some things will come to mind. But I think the first thing we wanted to talk about were some of the rule changes that went on this year. Um you know how those kind of worked out and i think the biggest one probably at least for people watching the games was the face-off change you know where you had guys following the 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 what the ncaa had put in place a, a year or two ago guys had to be upright well not more upright than they were before you're not allowed to be on the ground standing neutral grip right right um you know, and last year there were definitely guys in in our division, including you know one. Uh, I had a faceoff guy last year who was not going to college. Um, there was no reason for him to change to that. He was allowed to do the moto grip, and uh, and definitely was an advantage to be able to do it that way. Um, I think it's great that they you know because there are so many kids in Division three, Division two, and Division one all looking to play in college, and you know it's three months out of the year where if you're if there's an advantage to doing moto grip. Of course, you know, you, you don't want to let your team down, but you're also trying to train to go to college. So, yeah, I think it's really important that that it's become consistent all the way down. Um, you and I talked before. I think one thing that that would help the game is also to bring the rule violation into in it trickle down from the NCAA as well. Um, our faceoff guys in New Hampshire are becoming so savvy that they, they know all the little cheats. They know everything they can do. And if the officials are instructed to, to, you know, kind of correct them before and there, there's no violation rules, then there's no incentive for them to not cheat, right? So um, I think bringing the three strikes and, and you're out kind of, kind of rule there, the, the, 
for for listeners that don't know, basically in the NCAA, if you violate three times within within a half, uh, any subsequent violation becomes becomes a man down um, situation for your team there. So I think I think that would help there. Um, you know, in my opinion, Joe, the, these guys have become really good, and they, they know exactly what they're doing um, and, in the faceoff circle. And maybe a good point to throw this in there, and we, we kind of talked about this too. Of course, this past Friday you saw uh, Bedford resident or former Bedford Bulldog, uh, Zach Tucci, who had just graduated from North Carolina uh, a few weeks ago, uh, playing for the, the Water Dogs in the PLL, got his chance to, to see his first game actions past Friday, taking faceoffs, and in the in the the PLL you can do whatever you want um so he starts out that game down uh against uh was it Colin Farrell from from Chrome and they're both down you know going through that first quarter of that game they're both down and you kind of see he's getting worked a little bit there I think starting the second quarter he's back up which is what he'd been doing for the last couple of years at North Carolina started seeing much more success there kind of an, just an interesting thing to throw out there. There's a chess you know, match yeah. within the game, right? And and that may contribute, you know, long-term, if, if if he goes back to practicing more moto grip and going down there, you know, that he may get back into it. But like you said, for the last two years, at least, that's that's all he's been practicing, right? And so muscle memory, other things like that come into play. And, yeah, he found more success in there. So all the more reason why I, I would like to see, um, you know, the, the violations, the three strikes and you're out rule come down, trickle down to the – to the uh, to the high school level there, and their, their rule is even different. On top of that, too, is I think if you you are called for one of those violations, you have to sit out the next face. I mean, it's not there's no penalty, but you can't take the next face off. That that could you imagine <laughs> that in high school right it's, now? Like most team, most teams have a hard enough time having one I mean, guy that that would, yeah. be, that would be that. Well, even more incentive for kids to really kids and coaches to understand the rules and and not be cheating in the face off circle. And I, I bring that up because it's just such. It's become such a um, a factor in success uh, for for high school lacrosse right now. Goaltending and, and facing off are, are huge facets of the game right now. I will say it was pretty fun Friday to be watching uh, one of those games and have you know a, a, a guy to, to to really root for uh, watching those. Um, that was pretty fun. I thought maybe I maybe I'll you know jump on the the Water Dogs bandwagon, but then I. I think they're what they're zero and three at this point, so maybe, maybe not. You can still jump on their bandwagon. Still jump on the bandwagon. Right. There's still, I, I'm there's, sure there's still some <laughs> DraftKings over unders and, and parlays that you can uh, you can oh, you I can have fun with. They they I thought I was looking good for a while there, and then they really they really screwed me on that. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the 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 changes, of course, this year. Um, what were what were a couple of you know? We'll talk about we'll talk about some of the the sort of uh, nuanced ones that that really didn't impact as much as we thought they would. Uh, we now know that uh, cup and, and jock protectors are, are required by all since <laughs> did not come into a factor really this year. Uh, I, I actually they didn't, didn't know it wasn't. They, I didn't know it, was, it wasn't required. No, they didn't that was do any checks the, for those, did they? That was part of, well, it's similar to, well, I guess a little bit different than mouth guards. Like, we can actually see that happening. But uh, that was basically part of uh, the, the pregame check. Is the, co- the, the officials would ask you, you know, are all your players properly equipped? And, and you would tell them yes. Um, along with that were shoulder pads and chest protectors as well. Um, you didn't see you didn't see officials, you know, having kids take off their jerseys and show them that their their shoulder pads and, and goalie chest protectors were legal. Uh, obviously, you know, health and safety of our players is obviously really important. I think there's been good changes. 
I know when the new shoulder pads and chest protectors came out, a lot of kids complained because they were, they looked big and bulky, but the more kids I've had wear them, they get used to them. They're really not, it really was not an issue. Um, and anything we can do to increase player safety is obviously a good thing. Um, the place I really want to rant is, is iBlack. And I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, <laughs> I, I just feel like of all things that we're going to have officials uh, go crazy over iBlack, really, like you're telling me because a kid draws triangles on his eyes like that it's it's intimidating oh. or like it's unsportsmanlike. <laughs> you can't even see it? Yeah, you can't even see it. You know, to me, it's just like, are we trying to take all the fun out of the game? Like, really? You know, I and again, I understand why. I had officials literally show up to games with baby wipes and, and things, and they would, and they're doing their job. So I understand it. It's, it's our rule. They're going in there. But like, and then on the other hand, I had officials that were like, look, we're just not dealing with this like it's eye black and that's that's where i'd like to get us back to like let's call it out if it's unsportsmanlike if they've written something or there's a i don't know a gang sign or something like <laughs> fine let's deal with it but like yeah seriously the kids are just having some fun they're just they, they, you know if it makes them feel good and they play better doing it who cares so here, you know? how much of an old curmudgeon am i i thought you were going to go the opposite direction and complain about kids putting too much Absolutely eye black not. on no i think it's fun <laughs> i think it's i enjoy it i enjoy it i think it's i think it's a cool part of the game and and you know i, I just don't understand like it, like you said, for the most part, who even sees it? Like, right. I, I never know. Like, I don't see it. I, I, don't, I mean, I guess other kids on the field can see it. I don't. I can't. But can you? I. I it just seems ridiculous to me that we're spending time. Uh, we're spending time on that. I would rather see officials call out more kids for mouth guards. At least that's, a, that's at least that's yeah, a health and yeah. safety thing. Yeah. You know, at that point. But eye black to me is just ridiculous. Oh yeah. So, there was uh, there was a player uh, that was on the field quite a bit in one of the championship games this past weekend who had his mouth guard out and his uh his mask and uh fans were yelling about it uh and i don't think anyone ever said anything to him i think i think for the most part when we get to when we get to those semifinals and finals games that uh you know officials are trying to just concentrate on things that are there but i gotta tell you during the regular season i ran into a lot of games where and again i'm not complaining about the officials they're just doing their job it's part of the part of the rules so they're they're trying to to enforce those things but i I hope maybe we can take a look at that and, and get that off the books as something that it, we're, we're, we're hassling our officials enough. We really don't need to have them concerned about eye black, in my opinion. Oh, crap. Uh, I forgot my baby wipes. I got to go. But we can't we can't start the game. I'm just, no, actually, I, I actually I actually appreciate the refs. That, if they're going to enforce the rule, I actually appreciate the refs that show up with with baby wipes that that can help our yeah. kids, because no matter. I think I told my kids multiple times throughout the season, one stripe of eye black, one inch thick, do it. Every game, I had to have kids wipe it off. Because they're just, I mean, they're kids. They're, they're just trying to have fun and just, you know. So, anyway, that's that's my rant on iBlock. I, I'm still trying not to say the, the cup check joke I've been thinking about since we were talking about I that. I tried to breeze through it's that a, pretty yeah, quickly, it's a, Joe. It's a family show, though, and I won't I won't mention it. Um, but if you want me to tell it to you, you can email me, and I'll, I'll email you. It's not, probably not as good as through email, but, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so yeah, those were those are the rule changes uh, this year. I'm sure we'll see some other ones uh, coming up. Hopefully, nothing too crazy. Safety's been safety's been a big emphasis over the years. We've talked about you know locked in uh, hits to the heads, things like that. I, th I think for the most part, you're gonna see you're gonna see more rules like that trying to trying to be enforced. I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I did think of this um, kind of going off our discussion last week about unnecessary hits or unnecessary roughness calls in the championship games. And I'll say I went through a lot of games this year where there were no flags at all, uh, and then I felt like in the championship games, 
not, I mean, again, not that it was... I'm not saying that it was bad calls, but I'm just saying I didn't see any call. Like, there weren't any... I mean, are you telling me that those things didn't happen in the regular season? Or does the three-man crew change it that much? Like, is it like basketball a little bit where just an extra set of eyes catches things? Three-man crew definitely definitely helps on those things. I think there's a heightened awareness. You know, it's a big game. You don't want you don't want to miss things. You know, the crowd the crowd it, crowd made influence things a little bit too. And I think, as I've said, I think in lacrosse, a big hit, even if it's legal, I think I think we've all been hypersensitive to like, you know, if we allow. I think the the refs feel a lot of pressure to throw a flag with a big hit because if they don't. Right, even if it's legal, the other team's like, "Oh, well, okay, fine. We're, that that's how we're gonna play today." And then all of a sudden, the game gets out of control. So I, I may be right or wrong, but I feel like a lot of times officials, when a big hit happens, even if it's legal, they're they're gonna throw a flag because they don't want to see the game get out of control, and they're trying to keep. Which I don't, I don't necessarily mind because most of the time we're not at, we're, we're on the receiving end of big <laughs> hits and not not dishing them out. But uh, you know, um, I think the refs. Are trying to keep the game um, under control, basically. Yeah. yeah. What's what's going on there? Um, you know, the the other thing we wanted to talk about with in, with regards to um, you know this past season was just um, you know we we went into we go into every year and we figure we think of the teams that are going to be you know um, there at the end who's going to be in this spot who's going to be in that spot who's the favorite. Um, Talk about some of the some surprise teams, some teams that maybe we didn't get to as much of this year. Um, so, I, I mean, and I think in Division One, I, I mean, it's very clear. Um, I would put Merrimack as one of those surprise teams. Um, you know, they had an interesting start to the year where I think they alternated wins for most of the season, went on a run late in the year. Um, well, they finished with nine wins, I think, in the regular season, got that fifth seed in the playoffs, uh, which has got to be their, I, I would guess, their highest – I think finish, it's probably yeah, the highest finish yeah. in, a, in a long time. I don't if, know about I don't ever. know about wins. I think they I feel like there was a year in Division Two that they had um, maybe double digit wins going going way back. Um, not that far back. Not, it would have been it would have been twenty sixteen or twenty. No, no, I think even maybe? before. No, I'm, I'm talking like like early like maybe ten years ago. I think they had they were double digit wins. Well, they did have a, maybe it wasn't double digit wins, but they had a good year where they 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 made the playoffs, made a little bit of run in Division Two as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree. Coach Coach Brian Miller did a great job this year. It's a team, Joe. You know, looking at the roster that maybe maybe we shouldn't have been that surprised about. They had a, a large senior class this year. Um, you know, guys like Shea Goodwin, Matthew Todd, um, players like that. You know that that had some experience that. Um, you know, probably maybe maybe should have tipped us off that they were they were going to be better than we would expect this year. Two senior goalies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aiden Ward was, uh, I think, the guy that was um, the starter for them, um, had a good year. Uh, and, then you know, they're maybe a team, too, that we should, you know, have on our radar going into next year with with a good um, junior class coming back. Uh, a couple guys in Romello Hyde, Kyle Dunn and uh, Jackson Forbes, who look like they um, they were big contributors this year. Um and and certainly you know have a shot oh uh and ryan ryan resendez uh want to mention him too um had a big year for for merrimack this year so um and you know it looks like they've got um i mean merrimack's a sports town um they've always had good youth programs for for most of their sports and and i think lacrosse has probably been no exception and and you know numbers there at least seem like they're pretty steady numbers have been pretty steady and and more of those kids in the past they'd have they would always lose a few kids to um to some prep schools and and local schools that 
um, you know, that they, they don't seem to have lost lately. They, they seem to have good momentum going there. And um, they've got they got some names that I recognize as, as playing club as well right now. So, um, you know, it seems it seems like a program that that is on the rise. Uh, anybody else in, in Division One that kind of, um, you know, maybe not a, a surprise team. I mean, it's hard to hard to look at. That. I mean, we kind of th- I mean, obviously we knew BG Exeter Pinkerton. Um, you know, you and I both ha- thought Nashua South was going to be a top four team going into this year. They were. Londonderry is always up there. Um, I know we were talking a little bit about Bedford and uh, just, you know, I know going eight, eight and eight yeah, this year, but they, they were they were competitive in many of those eight losses. They were they were a team that I, I thought did a really good job. I thought Coach Johansmeyer, uh, Coach Matt Howe, who who was everybody remembered a great standout goaltender for them. And, and Drew Boudreau, who's been really active on social media and, and doing things for the program there to get them get them excited, did a really good job this year. And, you know, they don't have a large senior class. They lose some good players, Joe Michael, Parker Hendrishon. Um, oh, the, Matt Desmond's Matt Des- the big, the big one. Yeah, is yeah. a big one in goal. But, you know, so I, I think the seniors they lose are arguably very good and, and difference makers for them. But they were able to play a lot of underclassmen this year. Uh, you know, Derek Caliza on attack w- was a big one for them. They returned uh, Sean T- Toscano at, at midfield. Um, Luke Purnell got some got some really good time as a freshman at, at attack. Um, you know, and they're bringing they're bringing up some good uh, players as well from the, from the middle school. Um, their their town youth program won the state championship. Um, so there's definitely definitely some good players within there uh, within the program and, and coming up over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um. How about Division Two? Who do we uh, who did we think was kind of a surprise team? Well, in, in I think Division we knew, I think we knew they were going to be going to be strong, but I don't think we knew that they were going to be you know a top eight, arguably in contention until the last game of the season to be to be a top three team yeah, right. in, in Conval. Um, you know, um, Coach McNamara Terry did a great job this year with them. Um, his son Ronan had a standout year for them playing offense when you know he's arguably a, a great uh you know prospect at, even at the division one level as a defender um and club plays at a very high level um you know he he stood out for them this year um yeah i mean they were they were they they won a lot of really good games this year is, not the hardest schedule but they played the games that were in front of them they played the games that they were scheduled yeah, and, and yeah. got the wins that they they were I mean, supposed to get going back to to, to ronan kind of a Nate Levine type of situation with where with Wyndham, where he's going to Syracuse to play defense, but he's a pretty, pretty he's probably the most talented offensive kid on the field too. So, you know, maybe it's not his forte, but you got to put him there. Just a good athlete, yeah, and a yeah. Like he had a will, yeah. he had a will to win, yeah. you know, and wanted wanted to make sure that his team, you know, could go as far as they did. And again, a team that's, uh, you know, not not senior heavy by any means. Um, you know, return a lot of underclassmen. Um, I, I feel like their their town youth program is pretty strong. Um, you know, I, I think it's a team that you know you could continue to watch develop for the next couple of years. Yeah, they they um, return the goalie, um, or at least he's, I mean he's only a junior, and uh, Nicholas Squatrito. I think that's how you say his name. Apologize if that's wrong. Um, and then, uh, of course, I don't have the All-State list in front of me, but they had another Alex guy. Alex Heck is one of their defenders yeah, that, yes. that was, um, you know, a, an All-State defender okay. who, who graduates yeah, this yeah. year. Um, you know, he'll be a big loss for them. Um, you know, but I, I do, I, I think, I think the future is bright for them. Yeah, and and big. I, I mean, getting into the playoffs in Division Two. I mean, I know they've they've been up a couple of years, 
um, or at least since the last cycle, I think. Um, it's a big jump for for them. I mean, you know, that's a program that I know the school is a little bit bigger, but it's kind of a you know a unique school where they draw from so many towns, and and to it be goes able to waves. yeah 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 in to terms get of enrollment to get up there and be able to get a win in a, a playoff win in Division Two, host a playoff At game home, yeah right? yeah those are. Yeah. Those are all big things that uh, you know that can help big build the program. Um, you know, I think I think another team that um, you know we'd say was probably a bit of a surprise, especially with the way they finished the year, was uh, was Hanover. You know, they end up uh, I think winning four in a row or four out of five down the stretch. Um, you know, they get it, one of those being a big road win over over Gosstown that helped Hanover move up a couple spots. Um, I, I tell yeah. you what, right? I, I say it every year. Coach Gardner does a, does a great job with with the talent that he has year in and year out, maximizing it. Looking at the kid, I think he does a really good job of looking at the kid's strengths and weaknesses, and figuring out, okay, how do we win with this group? Right? He's not set in stone like this is how this is how our program is and how we have to win. He 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 looks and maximizes their talent. Uh, had a very good play uh, player in, in Dylan Hendricks, D.H. Hendricks, um, and you know going to Oberlin next year. Uh, Brendan Logan was another one of their standouts. Um, you know, both those guys played attack and midfield for them. Uh, I mean, again, it's a credit to Coach Gardner that, you know, th those were basically the two guys that really stood out for them this year. And every team kind of knew that coming in, but still figured out a way to win with that. They were a team that, you know, got hit a little bit by the injury bug, COVID, and things like that. And they battled through it and, and were, were a tough out. And, you know, down the stretch, we're playing as good as anybody. And uh, looking at their over their roster, it looks like they've got a lot of freshmen mm -hmm. um, that that were on varsity this year, uh, or that that at least you know were on the you know were in the program. So that's um, that's a good sign too uh, for next year. And then I I, got, I would say the other team in D two that, that we kind of su um, surprised us to a degree was was Manchester uh, United, Manchester. Uh, Memorial Central. Uh, I mean, the, the first thing that surprised was just that, uh, and you touched on it in the beginning of the season, the volume of numbers that they got out for the program. Uh, Coach D'Onofrio did a great job of, of, you know, using his resources in terms of football and other athletes that, that are within the building, had a full varsity roster, like huge varsity roster, like numbers that you any school would be jealous of, and then had a JV team on top of that. Um, so the numbers are really good. And had a JV team in, in, a, in a time where a lot of teams don't. Were struggling. Yeah, 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 struggling to get a JV team. And, um, and you went to some of their practices and were practices really games, yeah, uh, I, with, I, with the way that they were running I mean, things. I mean, especially going off of, you know, what it's seen in the past, um, you know, was, was really impressive. Yeah, um, Coach D'Onofrio mentioned that they, um, they had 50 kids this year. They graduate 14. He he's got a, a pretty uh, lofty goal for himself there though to try to get the numbers up to about sixty, although drawn from from Memorial and Central, um, you'd you'd hope that he's able to do that. Uh, also want to mention two couple guys that they had stand out for him this year. Uh, Braden Halfman uh, was a, a tremendous attackman for them. Um, I think he's a um, Tomahawk kid or yep. former Tomahawk kid. Um, Gavin Linz. I was uh, say, another Gavin good year a good for them year for him as well. Um, yep. And a guy that I saw a couple times that that really stood out to me, who's coming, who's a junior, uh, Owen Kelly uh, on defense, uh, first time playing lacrosse. Uh, he was uh, probably one of their best athletes. Uh, really interested to see what he does next year. And then their goalie, uh, Mene Ottomane, was uh, 
Many was incredible. Like <laughs> I watched him at the beginning of uh, the indoor season back in, in early November, and where he progressed to by the end of the season was absolutely incredible. Really quick hands, played great angles, uh, improved in the clearing game. I mean, it, it's not easy to step in, in step in there and play goalie. Uh, from what, what Jordan sent over to me, uh, had a 55 save percentage on the year this year, which is, is pretty solid for a lacrosse goalie, uh, especially one that in a lot of games probably saw a ton of shots. Um, Especially for a first-year goalie, too, yeah. for someone who really Actually, has no, you know, not a ton of experience yeah, playing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see them, um, you know, find their way into the playoffs. Uh, Going to be a tough road for them next year, though. Uh, of course, they're moving up to Division One. Um, we'll get into a little bit of that in a, in a few minutes here as we keep rolling along. How about Division Three? Who who from Division Three really stepped up and, and caught your eye? I mean, Lebanon's always a school that, um, you know, when we were down in Division Three, they were always a tough out. They had good athletes up there, a lot of good football players and stuff like that. But it sounds like, you know, they really had um, they really had, had some good lacrosse players this year, starting with, you know, Griffin. Um, help me with his last name. Ouch. 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 I'm not sure. <laughs> hopefully I apologize, one of, Griffin. Hopefully one um, of those was right. But Griffin, <laughs> Griffin, had, Griffin had a really good year this year. Um, you know, Otto Bourne, uh, for them, just a freshman, freshman this year yeah, at yeah. midfield. Um, you know, they, they were playing teams really – they played really good defense this year and were – I mean, Laconia wins the championship. They almost knocked Laconia out in yeah. early on. <laughs> yeah, was it a one-goal game in the first first round there? Um, yeah, I, I – you know, you mentioned Griffin. He had a uh, 42 goals, 31 assists this year. And um, it sounds like they're going to be returning a lot of guys. Um, just the the problem, I think, is is what a lot of teams are facing is numbers. Yeah, yeah. numbers yep. are going to be an issue for them. So yeah, it was good to I see. I think the players they do return are going to be pretty solid for them. It's just yeah, you got to hope. You know, COVID is still out there. It's you know whether we like it or not, it's still there, and it's going to you know it can potentially knock kids out. And then you always have injuries, so you're going to need some depth there. Um, but yeah, they're they're a team that I you know pleasantly surprised by. And then I think you got to talk a little bit about uh, Pelham, right? And, you know, a team that not too many people were talking about coming to this season. You had late additions. Coach Brian Johnson takes over. Uh, you know, two guys that were near and dear to my heart, and Andrew Johnson and Joe Costa, former Dairy Field players. Uh, uh, one was a Pelham resident uh, coming back to help his, his town. And, and I thought they did a great job this year. Yeah, that was a, a team that I, I, you know, the last time we saw them the year before, they were they were struggling. Um, you know, I think they, like many teams, got hurt, you know, with kids graduating in that 2020 year and then not having really the, the kids that with the experience to step up and replace them made for a tough 2021. But, yeah, to see them bounce back, um, you know, and they're a, a, a team, too, that I think has a lot of kids coming back. Uh, next year to, to potentially maybe step back up to where they had been a couple of years ago. Still going to be a challenge. They graduate their their goaltender this year. Um, you know, and they'd had to work really hard to catch him up to catch him up to speed. Um, did a great job in, in that area there. Um, but you know, if they can if they can work on that area now, they've got now they've got an off season to do it. Um, it was a team we had a joint practice in the beginning of the year, and, and I was I was impressed by the athleticism that was on that team. And if they can get some more guys playing in the off season. Um, you know, it's going to be as we get into the realignments and other things for Division Three. I think it's going to be a pretty competitive year next year, and and they could be in that mix again. So before we we do uh, well, any other any other final thoughts on on the 2022 season before we uh, we we kiss it goodbye? 
No, I think I think we did a good job of wrapping things up there uh, last week. You know, we kind of talked about the, the championships and the playoffs. There, it was a, it was a fun twenty twenty two. It was uh, you know, we, we, it felt as normal as I think it has in a long time. You know, I, I told you I, I thought it was funny that people were saying, that, "Oh, it's the first time Derry Fields been back in the finals since 2019. It's like, yeah, we've only had one real season. <laughs> this, you yeah, know, like yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, it seems like it's been forever, but like you know, it was uh, it was really nice to to be able to play in, in the majority of games and not have to worry about uh, can we do handshakes after the right. game? Yeah, you know, it was it was nice to be able to get back to that. Yeah, this so. definitely felt like the. Um, I mean, uh, last fall was was kind of close to normal, but you still had a few things pop up here and there. There were especially with football cancellations going on And you on were there. worried in the winter. I mean, yeah, we went through periods yeah. there where, like, it, it, it felt like, oh, man, are we going in the wrong direction again? I, I, and, uh, I wore a mask all winter yeah. indoors everywhere just because, well, obviously. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this, this spring definitely was back to normal uh, for the most part. Um, and, you know, here's hoping, here's hoping we're going forward the same way. Um, yeah, so – as we get into looking at 2023, of course, we already know there's going to be a couple of coaching changes on the boys' side. Uh, probably the, the biggest one so far, you've got uh, Bill Monson stepping down at Nashua South. Um, you know, really uh, uh, done a tremendous job there. I, you know, taking a program that had really fallen on hard times when he took over probably about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, you know, never really, I mean, obviously tough to do in Division One get them over that hump but this year uh, you know a top four getting finish a win over Pinkerton. yeah getting a win over Pinkerton for the first time since even before he played there hey so long ago I was at Nashua High um so that 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 was a long time ago um you know they're, they're top top three seed Been winning 14 a games kid, a yeah. lot of kids going to college out of yeah, that program as of, well has a, had a lot of kids a lot of success in getting kids yeah, to play at a high yeah. level um and uh, he will still be around, of course. He's a, a, an assistant with the football team, so we'll still see Bill around at things. Um, but um, you know, he just—I know he's a, a younger guy starting a family. You know, wanted more time to, to focus on them. So certainly wish him good luck. And and uh, I know I I know I will miss him, just if nothing else, for his updates from every game because he was a he he was a. a uh, would email in results regardless of how bad they lost or how big they won. Uh, well, I always knew I was going to get uh, scores from an Ashua South game. So, uh, and and probably a testament to why South was consistently as successful as they were. When you have a guy that cares about the program and, and will take the time to do that, uh, it goes a long way for for kids and parents and other things. Right, right, right. Regard. And then um, really the other the big moves were all kind of D two teams um, mixing up or, or changing their head coaches. Yep. So, Coach uh, Coach Bill Lawson uh, from Goffstown uh, going to take the year off this year. So there'll be there'll be a, a change change there. Um, Coach Sean O'Brien is uh, you know with his son graduating uh, going to going to likely step down. Pembroke will probably be looking for uh, you know a, a new head coach, and um, you know it looks as though they're they're advertising in Merrimack Valley as right, well. That, so yeah, Coach yeah. Coach Arant, uh stepping down as well this year. So. You know, and, and it's early right now too, so it, it, that's a tough sign that we've got four openings already in June, and we know that things tend to pop up there. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we have, and hopefully we have some guys out there looking. And for hopefully, jobs. we didn't just mention anything that we weren't supposed to mention going on. But they were all <laughs> advertised positions on the NHI website. So, <laughs> um, 
So looking again, looking at 2023, it's it's a, a another year of change uh, because it is the uh, transition into a new two-year cycle for the NHIA. The other thing that starts with next year, and this is across all sports, not just lacrosse, is the new playoff rule goes into effect, uh, where if a team petitions down a division, so you go from one to two, two to three, three to four, whatever, um, you become automatically ineligible for the postseason uh, for that first year in the cycle. So... Um, the 2022-2023 school year, if you petition down, you are you can't, no matter how good you are, you can't make the playoffs. And then on the other end of that, you are eligible for the playoffs for the second year of that cycle. But if you make the playoffs, you have to move back up the following year. So um, not that it's happening too, too much with lacrosse, uh, but there are a couple of teams that so are... So no matter what, if you make the playoffs, when you petition down in that two-year cycle... Even if you wanted to petition down again, you are for, for the next two years. You have to go up. Is that is that? I'm pretty the way sure on that. I'm I'm going to double check it though if I can remember where. I should uh, know this, but I, I don't. <laughs> uh, I'll have to look at that not, myself. Not a lot has been made about it. Uh, in I mean, it's been it's been on the books for two years. It's just that it hasn't gone in. It hasn't taken effect yet because, um, you know, the cycle hadn't changed. Here we go. Uh, should a program be approved to petition to a lower division, the following will apply. Ineligible for tournament play during the first year of the classification cycle. Eligible for tournament the second year of the classification cycle. Teams making the postseason tournament during the second year of the cycle will be ineligible to petition to a lower division during the next classification cycle. Four, ice hockey programs made to petition down and shall not be held to provisions one through three. So, I take that back. It applies for all sports, but ice hockey i feel like lacrosse might have dropped the ball <laughs> if that was if that was the ability to do that i feel like we might have uh well we, we can't should've. we can't just let everybody go all all willy-nilly <laughs> all over the place uh, but there are a couple teams that we already know of that um you know yeah what, what are the teams changes. that are going to be affected by that so on the boys side um you've got as i mentioned earlier man man united is moving back up to division one uh division one will have 12 teams next year your usual suspects, Pinkerton, North South, Dover, Concord, Exeter, Bedford, Londonderry, Merrimack, Salem, and Bishop Girton, plus Manchester. That's 12 teams. Uh, you'll notice there's one team that's been a longtime Division One program that is not mentioned there, and that's Sauhegan. Uh, opted not to petition up to Division One this year. First time uh, since uh, they were early 2010s. I think they were D2. I want to say they were D2 in 2012. I think that was the last time. I think they played Dover in the 2012 and 2013. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. Um, and that's the only other time they haven't been Division 1. So they are uh, are going to essentially they're staying in Division 2. Right. Um, then you have two other teams that are petitioning down from Division 1 to Division 2. That would be Keen Manadnock, which was in Division 1 this past year after Keen co-opted with Manadnock. And then uh, Spalding, which has always petitioned down, yeah. Two, 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 um, yep. Just those two teams, I guess, opting to work on their programs, try to improve rather than try to fight for a postseason spot, which I think is commendable. You know, in, in this day and age where everybody wants to win, um, you know, being able to focus on trying to get yourselves better, I think, is, yep. you know, yeah. Um, and then in Division Two, we're at we're at twenty teams right now. Um, with the assumption that John Stark is going to be back uh, next year. Unfortunately, he had missed the last two years due to numbers. 
Um, Looking at their youth program, it does look like they have yeah, a lot of ninth graders yeah. coming up. So. Um, we have there's they're one of four teams petitioning up Hanover. Uh, I didn't realize their enrollment had dropped as much, but they had to petition up to Division Two, and then of course St. Thomas and Derryfield. Uh, one team going down, petitioning down to Division Three. That's Milford. They've been doing that the last couple of years. So again, like Keene, like Spalding, same thing. But then because of the change. Uh, in numbers, you had Co-Brown and Bo, who are both dropping down to Division Three. Natural, like that's where they they are put classification-wise. So that makes for as two teams that probably will will have an impact on on playoffs next year. Have, look, a, have a good chance I of mean, you know. Looking over Co-Brown's roster, um, I know they lose they lose probably their their two best kids in um, David, David Lee, Lee. Yep. and uh, the goalie um, James Thomas both graduating they also lose a couple other seniors um but they have so many returning or so many juniors on that roster from last year i i mean we'll we'll hopefully see them a little bit in indoor i know they usually have some kids come up and play um but i mean given what some of the other division three teams are losing i i think they're right in the mix right right away and and i know Bo record-wise, well we'll we'll get more into this as we go but Bo record-wise uh didn't have a great year in division two I, I think they're right, and I think they'll be they'll be a contender next year as well. So everybody else still in their same uh, same spots, um, you know. Division two a little less massive at twenty teams, so that'll be that'll be good. Will be interesting to see what they decide to do with the playoffs. Uh, I think that still keeps us at fourteen though. Four, uh, fourteen for you. Um, division one though, that's going to change uh, because I think twelve teams gives you just eight uh, playoff teams. Yep. And then uh, with Division Three going to 16, that might bump up to 10 playoff teams. If I'm, uh, I'm I guess I could probably look at that real quick, huh? <laughs> 66% rule. Come on, Joe. Is it 60? I thought it was 75. 70, 75. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 70. not 75. 70. 70? 70 is the, we 70. Were, we split the difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not what I want. Um, it used to be the two-thirds rule. Now that they, they, they made it, they just, they just uh, kept it clean and now make it, se- now it's 70%. I think girls lacrosse though is the one. That's why I was well, confused. Girls lacrosse does I think still do sixty six. Uh, well, they do. They do eight across the board. Yeah, and okay. and and that's another thing. If we want to, I mean, we can talk about that for a minute um, because the changes there I think are going to require that they need to look into that doing that because right now you've got you've got thirteen teams in Division One with Portsmouth petitioning up and Keene and Manchester Central going down to Division Two. You have 13 teams in Division One, 18 teams in Division Two, 19 teams in Division Three, because you've got, um, again, Co Brown moving down to, to Division Three, Milford petitioning down, Concord Christian girls are going to add a varsity team yep, for next J- year. They were JV this year. And yep. then assuming that um, Hillsborough Deering is able to come back, 19 teams into you can't take eight of those, just eight of those for the playoffs. I mean, you could, you could, but it's not. I mean, I don't it, think it's. It, it seems seems like that with 19 teams, it does seem like you're missing you need out to, a few. You need to. I mean, if you go by this this chart here, um, 19 should be 13 teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you could keep it clean and just go 12. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think I think it does. Hopefully, the girls lacrosse community looks at that and maybe it spans a little bit there. I think just for the growth of lacrosse, it'd be good to have more yeah. teams make yeah. the playoffs there. And I don't think you. I don't think you'd find that. With 12 teams or 12 or 13 teams, that the the games would be huge blowouts. I think I think they would be competitive enough that you'd be all right there. <laughs> no worse than they are already in some <laughs> cases. Um, so I guess you know, a quick look at um, you know the divisions on the boys' side. I mean, 
you've got BG now that's won two more titles in a row. Um, you know, they, they again, they lose some good seniors, but maybe but not a huge senior class like a year ago. No, I, I think the biggest question for, for BG being able to three-peat would be, would be looking at, you know, the face-off circle there and with JJ graduating, you know, how that does. But they return so many, so many great players on offense and on defense. Um, you know, the, obviously goaltending is a strength for them. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to lack in terms of players that, that can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so I think that would be their, their biggest question mark coming into the season next year. And I guess we're, we're kind of back where we were at the beginning of this year is who's, who's maybe the, the number two. Um, is it Pinkerton? Is it Exeter? Could it be Bedford? Could it be Londonderry? Who, who steps up and, and into that spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pinkerton with a year of growth, obviously losing, losing Spellman is, is a big loss for them and, and uh, Zern on defense. But, uh, you know, you start with a real nice piece in Cole Frank, um, you know, in, in the faceoff circle, arguably coming into the season as, as the top faceoff guy in the league. Um, you know, for Exeter, I think you, you look for guys like Owen William, Williams to, to step up for them. Um, uh, I'm sorry, who was the, the, the good freshman they had this year at, at midfield? Um, uh, uh, Mar Marshall Lazowitz. Yep. Um, yep. Gavin Lechner's back yep. for another year. Um, you know, they're, so they're going to be good, guys, be good yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. You know, Burnage will be back in the cage for them. Uh, you know, Tatman. Uh, Tatman's a senior next year, right, with them? No, I think, they're the, same, I think they're, they're the same year. Same year? He's got another year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, they're going to be strong in goal again. Um, you know, Tanner Smith on defense. Uh, you know, Exeter, Exeter and Pinkerton are going to be really strong. I think Bedford, um, you know, with a year of growth there. Offensively, I think they're going to be a little more dynamic next year. Defensively, they're still going to be really strong. Goaltending is probably the biggest question mark for them coming into the season next year, losing Matt Desmond. Um, you know, uh, do, do face-offs improve for them? Um, you know, Londonderry, always, always going to be strong, right? Good numbers in the program. Um, it seems like every year we talk about a large senior class graduating from them, and then they just have another wave of kids <laughs> right, uh, behind, right, right behind them right behind, ready yeah. to go, right? Yeah. And so – and they you do. Know, they've got a lot of juniors on the roster from this year. You know, I think you had kind of said it. Are they a program that maybe needs just a couple more full-time lacrosse players, right, to get over that hump? But they're never going to be out of the mix. They're always going to have really good athletes, and and um, you know they, they're going to they're going to they have the numbers that they can they can run a program year round. You yeah. know, they can do skill clinics. They can do that type of stuff. Uh, I guess the other question with Division One. You know what what happens with the Nashua programs? Um, you know we we know num numbers weren't great um, for either one this year. Um, you know South half their team was seniors and graduated. I think we looked this earlier. Year. 11, yeah, it was eleven returning players potentially. So you know you're relying on do some kids come out that weren't that that are athletes that didn't come out this year? How many ninth graders? That you know how strong was the Nashua Blast program? We talked about COVID and the way that affected. Uh, just youth development, right? Number of kids coming out. You know, is you know, are there ninth graders that have been playing that are in the wings, ready to ready to come in and play for them? Yeah. So that'll be you know, is and is there if if some of those things don't happen, is there the potential that the NHIA would let them uh, let them co-op like they did with the Manchester schools uh, for I, hockey? I don't think it's an NHIA thing. I've heard I've heard rumors, and I, maybe you even said this that, that there might be something in the books that the Nashua schools have made made an agreement that they, they I, won't do that. I mentioned to that to split. to a couple people, and no one seemed to. I, I got some funny looks, so I don't know if if the person that told me that was was incorrect or not something that I've had a, an opportunity yet to kind of dig into. But well, hopefully, you know. if needed, that wouldn't hold them yeah. back from doing yeah. something like that because it'd be a shame. It'd be you know, Nashua has a rich tradition of, of lacrosse in, in the city there, 
it'd be a shame to see one or both yeah. programs not be able yeah. to field a team. Um, speaking of losing seniors, your uh, Division Two champ, Portsmouth, uh, three-peat on the board for them, but that's going to be really tough with losing, uh, I think I counted 16 seniors on their roster from uh, from this year. They do lose 16 seniors, but uh, I would tell you the cupboard is not bare for them. They, they lose some good players, and guys like Dom Maldary and Max Brown, uh, their two goaltenders uh, graduate. They lose two of their three attackmen. But you have guys like Zach Amen coming back. You have Nick Smith in the faceoff circle, Keegan Delisle on, on attack. Um, you have an attackman, Riley Collins, waiting in the wings who, who played JV this year, who's, who's a good player. Um, their defense is going to be really strong. They, they – um, um, I'm blanking. They, Peter Wolf, uh, Peter, um, I'm blanking right now. Uh, they have another. They had another defenseman that that's graduating this year. I'll take a look in a second. But they're going to have a lot of guys coming back again. Um, you know, so I, I think they're going to be. I think they'll be right in the mix again. I really do. Peter yeah. Wolf. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, Macy Schoen. Yep. Uh, he, stepped he up as a freshman. As a freshman did a great um, job. Was was huge for them on defense. So yeah, um, definitely numbers coming back. But it's, I mean, as Gunner, we've ja seen. Gunner Jackson as a junior was was tremendous for them on defense. Um, you know, so yes, they do have a, they do lose a lot of senior leadership there. But um, you know, I think uh, you know, a kid we haven't we didn't talk about a lot who who was very good for them this year was Ben Purcell as a freshman, mm -hmm. be a year older. So they'll they'll have weapons. They'll they'll yeah. be ready to go again. Uh, but as we as we've seen most years, Division Two is quite the gauntlet. Um, I imagine your guys will be. You, you don't lose much uh, at Dairy Field. No, nah, we're not going to be very good next year. <laughs> uh, St. Thomas, you know, ha was uh, back uh, among the top teams this year. year. They've yeah. got a lot of kids coming back. You know, looking at Oyster River, I like what they've got coming back. Yep. Um, and then Sauhegan potentially Sauhegan moving Anderson in. Mix, the, yeah. with, with the experience of playing Division One. they're going to come down next year. Their kids aren't going to be scared to be physical. They, they um you know, relatively young team this year. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, Tony Garant for them was, you know, a, a big senior loss for them. But, uh, you know, overall, they, they return a lot of players and be a little more experienced. I think coming down to D2, does it does it spark some more interest too? Do they do they get some more kids, athletes out yeah. um, that yeah. maybe aren't as afraid to come out and, and learn the game a little bit more because there's more, uh, I guess we'd say winnable games, right, on, right, on the schedule right. there. Yeah. Um, you know, one team you don't really have listed there too that I think people might sleep on a little bit is. Well, see, uh, I, I already did. Uh, if they're not listed there, <laughs> you're sleeping on them already. Uh, two, well, two teams actually. Um, uh, Timberlane loses some really good offensive players in in Ethan Gary and Eric George, um, but they have Braden Bowman coming back. Uh, we talked about you know their defense almost comes back intact. Um, they have uh, um, Brady Marston and Met. Um, I, I think if teams are sleeping on them a little bit, they, they shouldn't be. I think they're going to be they're going to be a really good team again next year. And then, um, you know, Winnicunit does graduate a lot of seniors this year. But, um, you know, they, they do return uh, Caleb White on attack and uh, Antonio Francioso, who has battled through some injuries the last couple of years um, and, and is a, a very good midfielder for them. And the, the thing that makes me most optimistic about them is like out of all the JV teams we played this year, they they were pretty legit. Like they they played they played good lacrosse and there was some good talent there. Where a lot of times you play JV teams and they're just it's not just, yeah, very good. Yeah. There were some players that I think that can step up for them next year. So they they may be rebuilding a little bit next year, but I think they're going to be I think they're going to be 
well into that, you know, maybe a team you don't want to play in the playoff kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, Division Three, we already talked a little bit about Cole Brown moving down there, potentially uh, what they could do. I think Cole and Brown and Bo kind of could have the potential to yeah. upset the apple cart a little bit yeah. down there. Especially with, you know, Campbell, um, you know, losing 10 seniors that contributed. Obviously, They do have a really good sophomore class returning uh, or would be a junior class for next year. Um, but, they, you know, how do they kind of mesh uh, with so many guys missing? Um, and it feels like the other the other contenders, I mean, Plymouth loses a, a key piece in, in Jake Marcou and his um, brother. Oh, oh, he was a year. He's a ju- he was a junior. Oh, I, was I, only I don't ju- know. I don't know what his plans are, but he was only a, a junior this year. Um, you know, Laconia loses uh, a really great senior class. I think they had nine starters that had returned this year for senior year. So they're they lose those guys. Uh, Hopkinton loses a couple. Uh, particularly in goal and and on on offense. I think we learned this year, Joe. I'm never I'm, I'm never, never going to count I'm them out. Never counting Hopkinton no, out again. No, no. They've, they've got a good town program. <laughs> they they seem to reload um, at that level. Coaching is always very good. Um, but but yeah, I think the other challenge for these traditional D3 teams is you've got two teams coming down that you haven't faced and and at least a couple uh, years, at least yeah. a couple years, if not four years. And so you really don't have a scout on them. Your kids haven't played them before. Um, so I I think it. it Potentially, could be even more parity in Division Three next year. Yeah. Well, any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up for the twenty twenty two season? No, Joe. I just want to thank you. I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, I had a blast this spring. Um, I really enjoy coming on each week and, and getting to talk with you and, and talk some lacrosse and um, you know get to see some really good games this year. And you know, just to again, kind of throwing it out to the coaches you know um, I think I've talked to some coaches before you know me being an athletic director and a coach during the spring I don't get to see as many games as I'd like to and you're only one person so we're kind of relying on uh you know the information that we get sent every week yeah you you more than me um you know you you're collecting a lot of the the data and the, the write-ups <laughs> and different things that well, I don't that know about that I mean there are a couple times this year where I texted I thought I had big news <laughs> and I texted you about something it's like oh yeah I know like so i yeah we have different channels regardless regardless i think uh you know again i'll say it again we've 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 started this because we really wanted to promote lacrosse in new hampshire and we want to get as many kids coaches and programs recognized so please don't feel that there's any slights we're not we're not favoring any programs over the other we're trying to what we're relying on on people giving us the information to get out yeah absolutely um and, and that goes, you know, even even over the summer, you know, if you um, I know I, I put on on Instagram today, I was taking July off. Uh, but I, you know, I, I said that kind of as I really hope that I can, but I will be wor- still working on things. So, you know, anything comes up over the summer, uh, please feel free to reach out. Um, I did have uh, someone email me, a, a, you know, what I think is a potential story, you know, a couple weeks ago. So hopefully that's something I can get working on in the future. And. You know, love to, to hear what's going on, even if it's just that, too, to, to reach out and let me know. Give me updates on, on certain things um, is much appreciated. And, and Coach, I, I certainly appreciate you doing this. Um, very grateful for, for you for giving me your time and, and uh, your expertise in doing this because I know, I, you know, I, I, I thought a couple weeks ago when we were we were kind of unsure what, how, what was going to happen. Alex was Alex Hall was able to join us. I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could just sit down and do a, a preview on my own. You know, I'm like, no, that's not going to work. No, no, that's <laughs> no one's going to want to listen to me talk to myself for 
for that long. So I definitely appreciate you uh, you making the time to do this. Absolutely. I'm a little disappointed we didn't do a hospital broadcast. You know, like well, a how many times do we have a chance to do that? But it was probably uh, good for my marriage that we didn't. Probably, do that, so. yeah, probably a, a good thing. Uh, and yeah, definitely want to want to give a th- big thanks to Roger Howe of the Bean Group, uh, Joe Pru at, at Prolax Customs. Uh, thank you so much for being sponsors this year. Uh, really uh, excited having you aboard, and and definitely appreciate the support. And uh, thank you to everybody out there for listening. Um, you know, really, as much as we enjoy doing this, if nobody was listening, it'd be kind of tough to to find a reason, you know, to, to have the reason to continue doing it. So I, I continue to be shocked every year by the number of people that come up to me and tell me that they, they listen to the podcast, they love you, they love they love the, the coverage that their teams are getting and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I know it's worth it, and I know it's it's a lot of fun. Who are these people that say this about me? I want to meet them. I, <laughs> There's more than you think, Joe. They appreciate um, your work. No, I definitely, yeah, I've, I've had some, some uh, interesting situations this year where I've gone to introduce to myself to someone, and as soon as I open my mouth, it's like, hey, I recognize that. Boy, that's a little... I haven't gotten used to that yet, uh, but I very much appreciate it. Again, very much appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, thanks again to the sponsors, Chris. Thanks to you. Absolutely. Uh, In general, uh, you know, before before we sign off, uh, so the podcast is going to take a break. But um, I imagine if you continue to go to the the website, there's still going to be stories. Couple. St- oh yeah. Maybe some next, fall. Um, maybe some fall stuff in terms of uh, recruitment. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, I'm sure yeah, there'll be a pre-preview <laughs> before there we, and, we and made some it, indoor. We indoor made it coverage. this far, and I didn't even mention that I was going to be posting my All-State teams uh, on Friday. We didn't even talk about that. As well as a freshman uh, team. For all my, yeah, my th- all, three All-State teams, plus this year going to do a freshman team. Um, yeah, so you see that on Friday next well, you week. Have the, well, you have the opportunity because a lot of people sometimes they, they gloss over and they don't read as well. Do you want to give an explanation of yeah. what your so, all-star team is about? So what I've always tried to do with these all-state teams is I, I feel like with the coaches, you guys do yours by division, and that's fair. That's right. You guys see division games. You know who's in the division, whereas I feel like I see all three divisions to a certain degree. I, I've emailed coaches this you know the last week or so to try to get some opinions just to make sure there's no one I missed. But being, you know, I feel like I can try to meld them together. So my three All-State teams are a mix of players from all three divisions, not specific, you know, this is the Division One team, this is, no, it's the first team, second team, third team. And I kind of go into it with an idea of not only who are the most talented players, but also who is the most important to their team, almost like an MVP type of uh award if you will um so that's kind of how i pick my teams and with again with some input from from coaches as well so So in general it's not necessarily your your first second and third team are not necessarily the what many coaches would consider the absolute best players that comes into part of it but more some of it has more to do with uh that what they meant to their team what they meant to their team and and how well they play yeah Yeah. i mean i'm a little you bit know, of a combination yeah, of both. Yeah, a combination of everything. Who who was who was key for their team's success uh, this year? Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. If nothing else, it'll make for some good debate. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll. Uh, I'm sure no one will email you over. <laughs> well, over. I'm. I'm just hoping I get a message as good as one of the ones I got last year that just said, "Who runs this media?" That <laughs> 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 was that. <laughs> but, um, all right. Well, yeah. I think that'll wrap it up for us uh, for this week and this season. And um, hope everyone has a great summer. A great fall, um, and we'll get back to you at some point uh, before the spring starts. And and yeah, I, I think before we know it, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about twenty twenty three.
So thanks. Well, again. absolutely, Joe. Yeah, thanks, thanks again, again for a great year, uh, and um, we'll we'll see you out on the right. we'll see you out on the uh, the football trail soon. All right. Uh, I'm Joe Marcellino. We're signing off for 2022, and thanks again for listening.